You're here to listen, and I'm here to talk. This is Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason. I'm ready for the resurrection. I am ready to be caught up and to meet the Lord in the air. And with all of the saints that have gone on before my generation, I'm going to be so excited to see my grandpas and my grandmas who are with the Lord. I'm ready to arise with them. There are so many precious saints that have already gone on that I'm ready to see as well. Let's be honest, the world isn't getting better. It's getting worse. I think anybody with any sense can look at society and say it's not going up. It's going down. Everything that's happening in the world in this season and in the times of crisis in the past all point towards something. And that is this world cannot keep going the way it's going. It has to end. It has to cease. And the Bible shows us that it will. But the message of the Lord Jesus Christ is, even though it will all end, behold, Jesus has come to make all things new. And that newness is the resurrection. It is the resurrection. This is Justin Gleason, and I approve of everything that I just said. I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher and a teacher. Welcome to Spirit Signal. Thank you to all you loyal podcast fans. Really, what you all are, are loyal listeners to the spoken word of the living God. If you're new here with us, welcome, welcome. We are gathering brand new listeners every week, and we're so glad you are here. There is always going to be a place for you here on Spirit Signal. I've come to learn that with Spirit Signal and all other great apostolic podcasts, is that podcast host the episodes that we put out, we're here when you want us. We are here when you need us. And yes, we are also here when you have time for us. So enjoy listening when and wherever you are. But I would like to ask you to please consider subscribing. Consider subscribing and giving us a great review and rating. Also, if this episode means anything to you, there's a good chance it's going to mean a lot to your friends. So please share, repost, add your story, retweet. Text and even email a link to this podcast to your contacts. Help us get the message that Spirit Signal brings to the world out there to all of your friends. There is a lot of garbage being spewed all over the internet. This world needs an apostolic voice on the internet. And that is what Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason is bringing. Also, let's uh, stay connected. Uh, follow me on Facebook pages, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. This generation is looking to hear something from God. And we are bringing you God, Bible, and Church every week on this podcast. And it's something that people want to listen to, and they're very excited about, and it's adding value and blessing their lives. You know, I haven't met anybody yet that is just excited and thrilled about the COVID-19. I haven't met anybody that likes the, you know, the season and time that we're in. For the most part, people seem to be you know, pretty reasonable about it. People are pretty compliant about it. Uh, the Lord, at least around here in Kansas City, has given uh, the spirit of patience upon us all. We're treating this like one big snow day. You know, most people are staying in their homes, only going outside when they have to. They're having fun, getting a little bit of work done here and there. 
But I got to say, I have finally seen an outburst of anger. I finally saw it. And it really wasn't that bad. But the other day, uh, my wife, Anna, tells me, hey, have you seen our neighborhood HOA Facebook page recently? I said, no. She says, you need to go look on it. There is some drama. There is a big war going on. And I'm like, wow, it's been a while since I've seen a Facebook war. So I got out my phone and looked at our HOA page, and sure enough, there was a lady on there who posted something like, I don't have it in front of me, I'm going to paraphrase. She said, hey, some of us have to work at home via Zoom. It's hard to get anything done with all of your screaming children having fun out in the street and all of your dogs barking and all of you people causing such a racket. I have my windows open, and I'm trying to conduct a meeting. Would you all please, please be quiet? You know, when I first... (laughs) And she said some other things that I'm going to leave out of Spirit Signal. But when I first read that, I thought, well, ma'am, why don't you, instead of blowing up Facebook, go outside and maybe kindly, nicely, with a smile on your face, ask the people to please honor the sound ordinance of the neighborhood. That's probably how you're going to solve that problem. Nobody's going to read that Facebook post and go, oh, oh, I'm being so loud. No, that's just not how the Internet works. That's not how social media works. And you guessed it. I looked down, and there's about 50 comments of people talking back at her. (laughs) And people were saying, I personally love the sound of children playing and laughing in the neighborhood. I love the sounds of people walking and pushing their babies around in their baby carriages. I love the sound of dogs. Why do you want to silence it? (laughs) So there's all of these things being said, and it was actually quite hilarious. But then it got really good when another person commented and said, Hey, I'm this lady's neighbor, and she is on the school board of education. Hopefully she gets voted out anytime soon. I don't want somebody like this in charge of making decisions for the kids at school. And then she says, Oh, and by the way, neighbor, your weeds are out of control. Take care of your yard. Thanks. Enjoy your Zoom meeting. (laughs) So... As we've mentioned in past episodes, people are blanking out during this COVID-19 season. People are forgetting things. People are, uh, uh, you know, going to the mailbox with their scissors to try to open it up. Yes, I really that really did happen to me. It's blanking out. I, I meant to go to point A and ended up at point B where people are getting confused. I, I got into a, a, a minor car wreck, no damage done. You know, uh, people are just blanking out. Things are just kind of happening, but now I'm seeing the tempers to start to flare. Well, the Bible tells us, by patience you possess your souls. By patience you possess your souls. Let's just remember to be patient. If you're alive, you're blessed. If you've got a job to go to, whether it's in an office or on a a Zoom meeting in your home, you're blessed. If your spouse is alive, you're blessed. If your children are alive, you're blessed. If you don't have any family members or close friends in the hospital right now, you're really blessed. COVID-19 is a reminder to all of us how short life is, how frail life is. Enjoy this life as much as you can because the end is going to come. Now, the end is not now, but it is near. This temporary life, there's a reason it's called temporary. It's because it's just for a short moment. The prophet said, 
Life is like grass. It just kind of comes and goes. Nobody will live forever. You only got about 70 years anyway. So live life to the fullest as much as you can for the Lord. Because what you follow now is what you're going to follow into eternity. I want to talk to you again about the idea of resurrection signals. The signs and the signals that God gave through the Holy Scriptures and here and now that show and point to the idea that one day life will change. No longer will the bodies of the dead be in graves, but they will all be raised, some to life and some to death. The resurrection is a complicated uh, Bible doctrine. It's seen all over the Bible. And hopefully with the help of the Lord and through the power of the Internet, I plan to really communicate the idea of the resurrection understand it's impossible to go over all of the details in just a short podcast, but hopefully this points you in the right direction and you learn a lot today in Jesus' name. I'm going to uh, give you a lot of scripture today. Uh, there's so many scriptures about the resurrection. I picked out some of the ones that I feel that I have a good grasp on, that I understand, that I've preached from, that I've taught from, and that have helped me to understand this concept of the resurrection and really, that's where you need to go to. Don't be Googling uh, out-of-body experiences. Don't be watching UFO stuff. Don't be watching ghost stuff uh, to understand the resurrection. You're probably going to end up believing something that is from the pagan world. You need to go to your Bible. Go to your Bible. Read it. See what Jesus said. And whatever the Bible says, that's how it's going to be. There you go. The altars are open. Come forward and pray. Man, speaking of altar, that is the number one thing I miss during this COVID-19. I miss a lot of things, but the number one thing that I miss is powerful altar calls. I miss them. I can't wait for my first altar call. Praise God. First Thessalonians chapter number four, the word of the Lord says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Anytime the Bible says, I don't want you to be ignorant, you need to pay attention Pay attention to that. God does not want you to be ignorant. God wants you to be smart. God wants you to have wisdom and understanding and knowledge of things. So uh, it's the will of God for you to get smart concerning the Bible, okay? I don't want you to be ignorant, and neither does Paul, and neither does God. That's why you're here on this podcast. And chances are you're not ignorant because podcasting attracts wise people. There you go. You get that for free. Continuing. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This is a passage that speaks of one moment when the Lord returns 
and gathers all of the righteous unto him. But it also extends even further back in history, and it also extends even forward in history concerning eternity. I want to talk to you about those who are asleep, those who are asleep. Uh, first of all, that, that idea of sleep, I don't believe that it means that when you pass away, your soul goes into some type of slumber. You know, how, how, how does your soul fall asleep? How do you go to sleep? How does your soul dream? <laughs> does your soul have an inner subconscious? I don't think so. No, your soul and spirit is spiritual. It doesn't sleep. It doesn't need to rest. It's always alive. It's always active. Your soul and spirit came from God. Uh, does does God's spirit sleep? No, it doesn't. There is no sleep in the spirit world. The spirit world is always moving. It's always active. But simply what this means is we don't die as Christians. Some places it's called that, dying, death, passing. But the apostle calls it sleep because you and I, when we die, if you've obeyed the gospel, when we die, we really don't die. We sleep because we're going to wake up again. Think about this right now. Last night, you laid down in your bed, put your head on your pillow, Maybe you clicked on the Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason podcast and you went to sleep listening to me talk. I've gotten reports of people doing that. Glad my voice puts you to sleep. Hey, if anything, Spirit Signal is curing people's insomnia. Praise God. But uh, if when you go to sleep, you're laying there, you look like you're dead, right? You're not moving. You're laying there with your eyes closed. You look like you're dead, but you're not because you're going to wake up. Whenever that alarm goes off, you get up out of bed and your soul, mind, body, all of that comes back to life and you go about your day. Well, this is what, what it's going to be like for all of those who are saved, all of those who have obeyed the full gospel. Whenever the Lord chooses that time, their soul and spirit who is in paradise with the Lord right now, that soul and spirit will return to their earthly body. Just like Jesus was resurrected, his soul and spirit went back into his body and he arose, incorruptible. The same thing is going to happen. So right now, think about a person that you love, that you know is in their soul is in heaven right now. Their body is buried in the ground or cremated. It doesn't matter. Somewhere, their DNA is still here in the earth. And what's going to happen is whenever the Lord himself will descend below the trumpet, all of that, their soul and spirit will reunite with their body and they will rise. So that's why we call it sleeping. It's just as if they went to bed for the evening. They're going to get back up. They're going to wake up. They're going to become alert. This is what is known as the resurrection. The resurrection is seen in various places of the Old Testament, but primarily the New Testament. The Old Testament, it was kind of a mystery. But Paul talks about this here, those who have fallen asleep. I believe he is speaking of those who had passed away during the early church times, but also even before that, during the Old Testament times. The destination of the souls of the Old Testament saints is uh, something that I have studied extensively, and I want to give you some verses and some ideas on this. Uh, in the Old Testament, there really was not a whole lot of hope when you died. Uh, I don't believe that they went immediately to the Lord. They went to another place. Uh, not so much a place of judgment and torment, but a little, little bit... Uh, uh, above that, but it was not a place that was pleasant. We talked a little bit about this in our past episode, but we want to refresh your memory. Okay, you take a look in Genesis 25, Genesis 35, and Genesis 49. 
it describes what happened at the death of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It says of all three of these Old Testament patriarchs that when they died, they were gathered to their people or gathered together to their fathers. Well, think about this. Abraham, his body was not taken home to where he grew up. He died in the land. He did not go. His body was not taken back to Ur of the Chaldeans. His body was buried in the promised land. Okay. So was Isaac and Jacob. So it's not referring to taking their body to the graves, the graveyard of their ancestors. I don't have, think it has anything to do with physical burial, but rather it speaks of the gathering of the soul. It returns to their fathers, meaning it goes to wherever the father's soul of their spiritual, um, whoever, whoever there, uh, who has went on before them, wherever they went, their spiritual fathers. Okay. Understand this, that in the afterlife, there is no marriage. You don't come into the afterlife by father and mother. You come into it through spiritual birth. So wherever his fathers, meaning those who had gone on before him, like Adam, like Noah, like all of them who gave him spiritual understanding and revelation of spiritual things. Uh, I can even prove it to you in the Bible that Abraham was alive during the time of Shem, the son of Noah. Abraham and Shem met. Shem would have been like a father of Abraham, a spiritual father of Abraham. So wherever those spiritual fathers went, that is where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob went. And it refers to the spirit world. Okay, It's not heaven. It's not paradise. It was actually called Abraham's bosom. That was the uh, nomenclature that the rabbis developed because Abraham was the first to be gathered together to his fathers. It was an actual place. And I'll talk more about that here in a minute. But you, you take a look in, in Psalms, like Psalm 18. The psalmist says, and this is a psalmist. This is a worshiper of God. This is an, uh, a person in the Old Testament times that followed the law of Moses. He said, the pains of death... The sorrows of hell surrounded me, meaning that in death, in that time to pass, that death was painful and the great sorrows of the underworld surrounded him. That was the fate of the Old Testament saint. You take a look at Isaiah, Isaiah 38. It says, those in hell cannot thank or praise you. There is no hope for those in the pit. Okay, That's the fate of an Old Testament saint in the underworld. Ezekiel 31 it says, the children of men are delivered to death. Down into the depths of the earth, they go down into the pit. So there's a lot of other Old Testament scriptures like this. But understand this. In that time period, from Genesis to Malachi, all Old Testament saints had sinned. Therefore, when they passed from this life into eternity, their souls were not permitted into heaven because of their sin. Because of their wrongdoings, they were brought down. That is the uh, wages of sin. It is death. That is the consequences of sin. It is hell. It is the underworld. It is brought, being brought down after death. This happened to all Old Testament saints, uh, except, of course, for Enoch and Elijah, uh, who were taken. They did not die. They were taken probably up into the, the upper uh, heavenly paradise uh, with the Lord and probably serve in a future purpose at the end of days. But I think also they serve as a purpose for thus for those of us in the New Testament times as a typology of when the catching away of the church happens. When the catching away of the church happens, or a lot of us call it the rapture, taken from the Latin word rapture, uh, 
Raptura. Um, I just to throw this in, this just kind of came to me. Somebody the other day asked me, so uh, when we're raptured, when we're caught up, you know, will our clothes and everything stay here upon the earth? You know, I think I got an answer for you. When Elijah was carried up into the heavens by a, by a chariot and horses of fire, what fell down? His mantle. <laughs> His mantle. Okay. It fell down to the ground. So yes, I think our clothes will stay here. We will disappear and our clothes will crumple in a heap on the ground. As a witness and a sign, we disappeared right there on the spot. I mean, Jesus even said, uh, uh, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt. Okay. Your clothing, I don't care if you've, if you've got some Calvin Klein, you've got some Kenneth Cole on, you got some Tommy Hilfiger, you got a nice Gucci purse or whatever. You got a Rolex watch. I don't care. All of that is corruptible. It cannot make it into heaven. So no, your clothes are not going into heaven with you. Your clothes are going to collapse on the ground. Your keys are going to fall. Your phone is going to fall. Your wallet is going to fall. Everything is going to fall. The breath mint in your mouth is going to fall. Okay? Everything is going to collapse on the ground. Nothing will make it into the heavenly realm. So again, only two of the Old Testament saints uh, made it into heaven. Only two of them had any type of a, a special place in the afterlife, and that is Enoch and Elijah. Uh, and, and of course, something uh, happened with Moses. Maybe we'll talk about that in another episode. But through the Old Testament scriptures that I just read to you from, from Psalm, Isaiah, and Ezekiel, it just shows that the Old Testament saint had really nothing to look forward to when they passed away. Uh, they were gathered together to a place with their patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, called Abraham's bosom. Uh, Jesus endorses this idea. Many rabbis write about this. And then, of course, the famous uh, Jewish historian Josephus wrote about it. He, he talked about the doctrine that the Jews uh, believed and this is something that they believed even long before Jesus. It was, it was a common Jewish teaching. Uh, they believed that um, what we call hell in the Hebrew, it's Sheol. Uh, for the Greeks, it was called Hades. Or in the Koine Greek, it could have been Hades or Hades. Josephus says, it is a place where there is no light. A place for the wicked souls of the dead. Guarded by evil angels who impose temporary punishments based upon one's behavior and manner which they live. There is a place near Hades called the Lake of Unquenchable Fire where no soul has ever been cast. This is set as a place of one's eternal judgment appointed by God in the future for the wicked. So that's the place that we call hell. It's a place of torment. It's a place of fire. A horrible place for, uh, for the wicked. Uh, you take a look at the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Where is the rich man? He's in hell. He's in Hades. He's, he's in Sheol, Shaul. He's in that place. But then Josephus later says, But for the just, their soul is led by angels of the Lord who guard the souls of men to a place of light, where there is no torment, no great heat, no cold, but have some enjoyment and in peace in the things that are there. But there is still a sense of waiting for something better to come. This place is called Abraham's bosom. God will judge the just and grant an eternal, incorruptible, never-fading kingdom. So that's the way things were in the Old Testament times, based upon Josephus writing, other rabbinical resources, and of course the teachings of Jesus. That in the Old Testament times, when a righteous soul died, they went to a place they called Abraham's bosom. It was a place of peace, not a place of torment, no heat, no cold. 
There were some things to enjoy, a little bit of minimal comfort, but it was not heaven. It was not a place with God. It's just a, a, a nice, quiet place. I like to call it kind of like the lobby of a hotel. The lobby of a hotel. That is what Abraham's bosom was. You know, in a lobby of a hotel, there's a nice little place to sit. They usually got a few little cookies you can snack on. Uh, pour yourself a cup of coffee. It's nice. But really, you're wanting to get checked in and get up to your room. That's where you really want to go. Well, that's what it's like. Abraham's bosom was the uh, hotel lobby. Paradise that Jesus then came to give. He announced that to the thief on the cross. And in other places in his writings, it is the hotel room. So Jesus did this. He took all of the Old, the Old Testament saints out of Abraham's bosom up into paradise. Okay? Now, hell. Hell is kind of like jail. You know, you get in trouble, you're arrested, you're put into jail. You know, jail is not fun, but it's not like a, a, a horrible place. It's only a temporary place. Hell is like that, okay? The lake of fire is like a prison, a long-term sentence. Jail, jail is temporary. Prison is for a long sentence. So hell is like jail, the lake of fire is like prison. So those who are in hell right now, Jesus did not bring them out of hell. They're still there, and they're awaiting for the final judgment to be cast in a greater place of torment, the lake of fire. So those are foundational Old Testament teachings. But what I want you to understand is there is no hope in the Old Testament really for the afterlife, just Abraham's bosom, a place of peace, a place of comfort, but really... Uh, no satisfaction, no pleasure, no joy, none of that. But there were prophecies in the Old Testament that the afterlife would not be like this forever. It would not always be like this for the Old Testament saints. The psalmist said, Psalm 16, You will not leave my soul in hell. This is concerning Messiah, that when he comes, that Messiah's soul will not be left down in hell. Psalm 49, God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Psalm 86, you have delivered my soul from the depths of hell. These are all messianic prophecies, and they were all fulfilled through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Savior. Yes, he died like a normal human being. He was buried like a normal human being. His soul went down into the underworld like any soul of a normal human being. But through the power of the Spirit, he was brought out of that place and his spirit reunited with his body, and he resurrected, thus fulfilling these scriptures that Messiah's soul would not be left in hell. Well, that's wonderful. Messiah has risen again. Well, what about the rest of us? Where is our hope? I'm so glad you asked. There's other Old Testament scriptures pointing towards what would happen to us. Isaiah 26 it says, together they will arise with my dead body. Hosea 13, Messiah would redeem them from death. Zechariah 9, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set the prisoners free from the pit. Isaiah 42, bring out the prisoners from the prison. Isaiah 49, the prisoners who walk in darkness Go now, show yourselves. The list goes on and on. It is a prophecy concerning Messiah that not only would he come out of the underworld, 
not only would he be resurrected and be brought back to life, but then also those who he deemed worthy of eternal life with him that had died previously before him, he would go down into hell and redeem their souls out of that horrible pit, out of that horrible grave. Many of them, of course, who were in Abraham's bosom, I think all of them in Abraham's bosom, uh, were brought out of that place. And even some of them who were in hell, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, brought their souls out as well to fulfill the scriptures that we just quoted from. Okay, let's look on into the New Testament. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus says, as Jonah was in the belly of a great fish, as he was there in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Okay, now Jesus did not spend three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish. He spent three days and three nights in a grave. Well, is a grave the heart of the earth? No. He's speaking of his soul going down into the underworld. And as a matter of fact, with this verses and, and, and other verses, uh, many preachers and teachers uh, say that hell physically is in the middle of the earth. It's in the earth's core, which could explain where the great heat comes from. It's interesting to think about. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, The time is soon coming when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear it will live. Matthew chapter 25, it says, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So these scriptures, through other passages of scriptures, Jesus teaches what he intends to do, that when he dies, he is going to judge death and hell, and he's going to bring out all of those who he found worthy in that Old Testament times to be in heaven with him, to be in paradise with him. He would go down into, de- into, into hell and do these things. And he says, those who hear my voice will hear it and they will live. But he says, those, those who follow the devil are cursed. And they're going to spend eternity in everlasting fire with him. Meaning if you follow the devil now, you're going to follow him into eternity. If you follow Jesus now you will follow him into eternity. And that's something. Matthew 25, hell was never meant for mankind. Hell was meant for the devil. Hell was never meant for the souls of men and women. It was always meant for the devil. But if you choose to follow the devil now, you're going to follow him to where he goes. Wow. That is something to think about. Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry, he raised sons from the dead. He raised daughters, he raised brothers, and he even raised a lot of saints after his resurrection. The graves opened up and many of the saints came walking into the holy city. When he did this, he did not raise them incorruptible, but raised them corruptible, meaning he raised them up again and they one day died. Uh, The son of the widow in Nain, her son was brought back to life. But he doesn't live forever. Forever, He died. His body, his remains are still there uh, wherever he passed away later on as, as he got old uh, there in, in Nain. But th- these were signs of the resurrection that would one day come. He does raise the life, raise to life those who have passed away 
in this life. I've heard miracles of this happening. And that is powerful. It's a sign that God is alive. It's the power of his resurrection. Um, I have a, uh, I was looking through my library and I found uh, my signed copy of the book My Miracle by Lee Stone King. If you don't have that book, you need to get it. A fascinating story of the resurrection of Brother Lee Stone King. He passed away. He died. He was dead for almost an hour, but his spirit returned to his body and he was brought back to life. No way that's a coincidence. That is a certified miracle. It was done through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, these things are so special and so neat to hear, and it's just the signs that the Lord Jesus Christ is alive and that he is Lord. But deeper than this, what we're talking about is what happens when we die. What happens when the resurrection comes? You know, these were things that the Old Testament saints really did not have any answers for and did not know what to look forward to. But Jesus Christ came giving us a hope that he is the resurrection and that he is the life. Okay? Jesus took all of the Old Testament saints who were righteous down in Abraham's bosom, such as Adam, such as Noah, such as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, such as David, Isaiah, all of them, and gathered them together and brought them unto paradise with him. But now remember what Isaiah said. He said, I would bring out the prisoners from the pit. He said, I would bring out the prisoners from the pit, the prisoners in darkness, also in Isaiah 49. And in Zechariah 9, it says, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. So he brought the Old Testament saints out of Abraham's bosom, but then he also brought people out of the pit. He brought people who were in the place that the Greeks called Hades and in uh, the Hebrew Sheol, what we call hell. Now, again, remember, there was two different places in the underworld in Old Testament times, hell and Abraham's bosom. Jesus obviously took those who were in Abraham's bosom to paradise because of their righteousness. But those who were in also in hell, he took some of them out as well. I don't know who all he took out. I seriously doubt he took out Ahab, who probably was there. Achan was probably there. Goliath was probably there. All of those wicked Canaanite kings that Joshua put his foot on their neck, they were probably there. I don't know who all were there, but Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, the apostle, gives us some specifics on who the Lord brought out of hell. In 1 Peter 3, 18 through 20, Peter says that Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison who were formerly disobedient in the time of Noah. Mm. That whole passage there, when you study it and read it, it's talking about the souls that existed, the people that existed during the time of Noah, who were formerly disobedient, but later on repented. And I believe what this is showing us is that Jesus took the souls of those who repented as the floodwaters were arising. They repented as the floodwaters were arising and the Lord showed mercy upon their souls when he was down in hell for three days and three nights. Okay, Noah, his wife, his sons and their wives got on the ark. The door closed and they survived. They made it. There was life for them after the flood. But the whole world perished in the flood. Nobody prepared an ark. Nobody prepared a boat. Nobody listened to the preaching of Noah of the judgment that was coming. But there were some people 
that as the flood came, they confessed I was wrong. They confessed I was wicked. They confessed as water was rising in their homes as they were about to die. They confessed and repented and called out to God and said, I believe in you. I should have listened to Noah. Whatever they did, they repented. Their repentance during that time, Jesus came down there and in hell forgave them because of their repentance and judged them according to the Old Testament law and brought them into paradise. I believe there were many other people like this. You take, uh, uh, for instance, Naaman, the Syrian. He was not in covenant with the Lord. He had no inheritance through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was Gentile. But he came to the prophet, and the prophet commanded him to go and dip in the Jordan River seven times. And when he did that, he was cleansed of his leprosy. And thereafter, he uh, only worshipped the Lord God of Israel. I believe that Naaman, because he was a Gentile, because he had no inheritance in Abraham, he had no uh, inheritance in the covenant of Moses. When he died, his soul went to the torments of hell. But because of his repentance in his own way as a Gentile, and when Jesus came, judged him according to that, Naaman heard the voice of the Lord, and therefore he was brought up into paradise. So... There's a lot of differences in judgments in what the Lord did for this for the Old Testament saints. Those who are dead in Christ right now. Their souls are now taken, many of them out of Abraham's bosom, many of them taken out of hell and brought into paradise with the Lord Jesus Christ. The thief on the cross. He died before Jesus did. He died an Old Testament saint. And because he repented there on the cross and because he believed that Jesus was Messiah, he was judged as an Old Testament saint. And he, his soul is now with the Old Testament saints in the heavens. These are who Paul talked about in our original scriptures. Those who have already died and gone on to be with the Lord. They were judged as Old Testament saints. Later, Paul would say in Ephesians 4 that Jesus led captivity captive. He descended and then ascended. He led a multitude of captives with him. It's a quotation from Psalm 68. Who were those captives that Jesus took out of captivity? It was the souls of those in the Old Testament. From, a, from all from Abraham's bosom and some from hell. And they are now in the heavens right now. They are currently in some type of paradise. Their body, the remains of their body, are still here on the earth. They're buried in graves, some of them cremated, some of them uh, because of war and torture. Their bodily remains are cast and spread all throughout the world. Doesn't matter. Their DNA is still here in the earth. But as Paul said in our scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4, that the Lord himself will come and will call out to those that are with him in paradise and those who are in the earth to be caught up together. The dead in Christ will rise first. Meaning all of those who have come out of the old, in the Old Testament times that we've been talking about and also all of those who have passed on during the New Testament times and gone on into paradise. I'll just give you two names. In Aertion, he's up there in paradise, but his body is still here upon the earth. G.A. Mangan, his spirit is with the Lord in paradise, but his body is still here on the earth. 
when the Lord makes the sound with the trumpet to call up everybody for the resurrection, those who are with him in paradise, those soul and spirits, Adam, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Isaiah, David, all of them, and Aertia, G.A. Megan, their spirits in paradise will reunite with their body here on the earth. And they will become glorified just as Jesus is. Okay? The Lord is going to descend and do this. He's going to descend and do this for the dead in Christ. Their spirit will reunite with the body and it will become incorruptible in the similar manner as Jesus did at his resurrection. His soul and spirit reunited with his body. Okay, God is going to then give a glorified body. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And when he does this, he is going to come with the clouds. This is just the way God moves when he comes to the earth. You take, for example, Exodus chapter number 19. When the Lord descends upon the mountain for Moses and Israel, what does he descend in? Clouds. Okay. This is, and, and then God says to Moses and the people, come up unto me. It's typology of the church being caught up into heaven. The Lord will descend in, in clouds, just like he did in the time of Moses. So will he do for the church. Every eye will see him. The clouds are going to be spiritual. The whole earth is going to be able uh, to see these clouds, and it's going to be something. The Bible says that the Lord, uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians 14, our, our foundational uh, verse, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 43, it says, The glory of the Lord came from the east, and his voice was as the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. It talks about the loudness of Messiah's voice, the volume of Messiah's voice. It's a voice that everyone can hear. In Revelation chapter 1 and 10, it says, The voice of the Lord was like a great trumpet. So it's not the angels coming down at that moment. That's, that's later on after the tribulation. The catching away of the church occurs before the tribulation. It's when the Lord calls out for his people. The Lord catches them up to him before the destruction, the Bible says. It's going to be Jesus Christ himself calling out to them. Not an archangel calling out to them, but Jesus with a voice like an archangel. Angels have loud voices. Uh, you can reference Revelation 5 and 2, uh, 7 and 2, 8, 13, and 14 and 9. Angels have exceedingly loud voices. Jesus Christ, you know, I'm sure he had a great loud voice, but you think about this in his earthly ministry, uh, he gets in a, into a boat and goes out on the water to talk to everybody so they could hear him because a voice carries farther across the water. All right? So his <laughs> earthly voice only had the volume magnification of a natural human. But now he is glorified in the heavens and he has a spiritual mighty voice so that the whole world can hear. So whenever he calls out to us uh, to, be, to, uh, to come unto him, uh, this is going to be when the church is caught away caught away. That phrase caught up there in first Thessalonians four in the Greek, it's the Greek word harpazo. And it means to seize, to snatch, to be pulled up from danger. And that is the church, that is the Lord welcoming his church and all the saints already with him to come up into heaven and to be safe while the judgment of God and the wrath of God is poured out uh, upon the world. Praise God. And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And yeah, it, it does mean the atmosphere. It's just like Enoch and Elijah. 
being caught up to God, but you know, in the upper atmosphere, they certainly don't go down into the earth. They go up into the atmosphere. And I don't mean, I don't think that so much means atmosphere, but it actually means the spirit world, the spirit world. Second Corinthians chapter number five says to be home in this body is to be absent from the Lord, but to be absent from this body, it means to be present with the Lord. All of uh, these Old Testament scriptures, I've said all of the doctrines of what happened to the Old Testament saints, all of the doctrines of what happens to the New Testament saints that we've been talking about is wrapped up in this foundational verse. And that is, while you're here on this earth, you're absent from the Lord. But to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. This is the good news of our death, or rather our falling asleep. This world to us is something that is only temporary. In the Old Testament times, you had to live life to the fullest because you had no hope in heaven. You had to have a nice house, a nice vineyard, nice fig trees, nice land, a great army serving the Lord to live a long and happy, fruitful, prosperous life that he promised in the covenant with Abraham, the covenant with Moses, all of these things. But in the New Testament, sure, the Lord blesses us with you know, earthly things here and there. But ultimately, our greatest hope is to be present with Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit. I told you I miss altar calls. But understand this. You and I, our greatest spiritual experiences have been done without being present with the Lord. It's only done through His Spirit. You and I, when we pray, for the most part, we're looking at a ceiling. Or we're looking down at carpet when we kneel and pray. Or the back of our closed eyelids. We're not present with the Lord right now. We're present with Him in spirit. We are separated from Him in this world. There, as it were, is a great gulf fixed between this earth and in the heavenly realm, and we're only getting glimpses and small feelings of it here and now. But the day is coming. The day is coming when the Lord is going to call us up himself. And all of those who passed away in the Old Testament times, their spirit will reunite with its body. And you and I who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. Just like Enoch just like Elijah, we're going to change, change in just in the moment. As quick as you blink your eyes, just boom, we're gone. That day is coming. And you know, that message is always special. But I tell you when it's even more special is during times like we're in. Times of a pandemic. The COVID-19 quarantine. Times when things are uncertain. Things are weird. I'm calling it suspended animation. It's it's just so weird. You drive in, into, I'm, I've drove through downtown Kansas City. Normally there's people walking everywhere. People are busy going here and there. There's not a soul in sight. There's no traffic. It's like suspended animation. It's ghost town. It's so weird. 
It's confusing. It's, it's haunting. And if you're not careful, the hysteria, the worry, the craziness, all of the mental illness that's in the world, if you're not careful, it can get inside of you. That's because this world is not headed for good things. It's headed for bad things. It's headed for judgment. It's because of the sins of mankind. But Jesus Christ came to suffer, bleed, and die for you and I to stop that judgment for all those who believe the gospel. And not only believe it, but obey it. And the great reward that the Lord Jesus Christ has promised us is the resurrection. It's eternal life with him. Can you imagine? You've got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob down there in Abraham's bosom. David's there. Isaiah's there. Adam, Noah, they're all there. All of the righteous women of the Old Testament, they're there. They're comforted. They're not in torment. They're not in any pain. They're not in agony. But there's no God there. There's no promise. And all of a sudden, a man comes walking through there and says, I am Jesus the Messiah. <laughs> I can just imagine David standing up and saying, Ah, that's the Holy One who would never see corruption. This is the one that would redeem our souls from death. Zechariah stands up and says, This is the one I spoke of who said he would redeem the prisoners from the waterless pit. Isaiah spoke up and said, Ah, this is the one whose dead body would arise and we would arise with him. <laughs> and Jesus said, Yep, I'm he. And if you will hear my voice and believe I in him, I'll take you to paradise. And that's what happened. He took all of those captives out of captivity and led them to paradise. And while all that was going on, many of them who had passed away, probably around the time of Jesus, saints who were believers in him, who were crucified in Jerusalem, people were crucified every day in Jerusalem. Those who had been dead for one, two, three days. When Jesus resurrected, many of them who had been dead for two or three days, according to Matthew's gospel, resurrected too, and they came walking into the holy city. See, with Jesus, there is no death. It's only sleep. With Jesus, there is no dying, only resurrecting. That's the joy and the hope that we have. And it's something to celebrate. And it's a message that this world needs to hear now more than ever. That there is hope. There is hope. And it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ and the heavenly reward of the resurrection for all eternity. God bless you. Don't go anywhere. We're going to get to some listener comments and we're going to answer the question, what will our glorified body look like? Talk to you in a sec. What will my glorified body look like? What do I hope that it will look like? Well, the Bible doesn't give us specific details, but it gives us enough to give us an idea. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
the New Testament, it says concerning the resurrection, we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. We shall bear the image of the heavenly man. Philippians chapter 3, 20 through 21 says that he will transform our lowly body and be conformed to his glorious body. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. It says, when he is revealed, we shall be like him. Okay, I don't, I can't, I can't tell you how tall you're going to be, how much you're going to weigh, how young you're going to look. I can't tell you that. But I tell you what, the Bible says, as Jesus is, so shall we be. All right, now I'm going to... Uh, go out on a limb here. This is speculative, what I'm about to say. It's not doctrine. It's just Pastor Justin's speculation, okay? Think about this. How you look right now, how did you get to be what you are? Well, it came through your father and your mother. The way you look is through your father and your mother whatever your DNA says you are, however you uh, were formed, whatever your genetics are, that is where you come from. I believe that Jesus himself in the earthly ministry, he, he bore the image of where he came from. He came from Mary. He came from the seed of a woman. So he had Mary's attributes. I know the Arco volume, uh, it talks about this. He looked like his mother. But then he also had heavenly attributes from his heavenly father. So you and I are the same way. We have attributes physically, emotionally, our personality. It comes through our father and mother. When you and I obey the gospel, we repent, we're baptized in Jesus' name, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we walk with the Lord, all of those things, all of our salvation, it's called being born again. It's called being born again. So when you're born, you take on the attributes of your father. And this is what I think is going to happen, that when you and I arise, meaning all of those who are in the Old Testament, when their spirit comes down from paradise with the Lord and reunites with their body, two things are going to happen. Number one, they're going to reunite with their DNA. They will reunite with their DNA. Their glorified body will look similar, kind of, like their DNA, but it will become glorified, meaning there will be no corruption in it. There will be nothing of this earth in it, but it will still have the resemblance of the DNA. Paul said, I will be known as I am known, meaning there will be a part of your appearance that will be recognizable from the former life, this earth now, that will be carried over into the heavenly realm. Okay, so there will be a portion of you that comes from your earthly DNA that you got from your father and your mother, which all of us got from Adam and Eve. Okay, but then also we bear the image of the heavenly father, meaning that all of us will be similar to Jesus Christ, our heavenly father. He gave us existence into the spirit world. So that's what your heavenly body is going to look like a portion of your earthly DNA that's made from the corruptible into incorruption, 
from the fallen to now glorified and then mixed in with the image of your heavenly Father. That is how you and I will look like, taken from, from those three major scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 49, Philippians 3, verses 20 through 21, and 1 John, uh, verses three, uh, chapter 3 and verse 2. Okay, so that, that's uh, my speculation. You know, many people ask, well, what did, what did Jesus look like here on this earth? Well, he was a Galilean. If you want to study what Galilean people possibly looked like back then, uh, that should give you an idea. Um, also, the Arco volume does say that Jesus had light brown hair, uh, was tall, slender, bright blue eyes, and a light brown beard, and kind of more of a pointier nose. That's how Galilean men looked like back then. So a lot of those uh, paintings of him, the oldest paintings, uh, they're probably very accurate uh, to what he looked like. Uh, he looked like a Galilean man, not a 1960s hippie. I just want to clarify <laughs> clarify that. But it really doesn't matter what he looked like back then. I want to know what he looks like now. And we know what he looks like now. Revelation chapter 1. He is a bright light. His face is shining, his clothes are shining, his eyes are like fire, his voice is like many waters. That's what the Lord looks like and sounds like now. And you and I are going to have a similar uh, physical being like that because he is our Heavenly Father and we will have, as it were, his spiritual genetics placed upon us. We uh, put out this question on social media. What do you hope for or what do you hope your glorified body will look like? From Facebook, Philip says, hopefully not as fluffy <laughs> as my current one. Maybe be able to fit in the suits I wore a few years ago. Not too picky. Well, there's a good chance of that happening, Philip. Melody says, I will be robed in white, so I anticipate it. It will not be, it will be irrelevant, but I just want to have the ability to fly. Um... You probably will be have the ability to fly. Uh, angels can fly. Uh, we'll probably be able to go anywhere uh, we want to in that realm. Ella says, don't have any idea. I just want to recognize Pete and my parents. Mm. Well, like uh, Paul says, we will be known as we are known. We will definitely be recognizable. Something else to think about on the Mount of Transfiguration Moses and Elijah appear, you know, to Jesus. How is it that Peter, James, and John knew that was Moses and Elijah? Moses and Elijah died hundreds, thousands of years before them. You know what I think happens is that in glory, you have perfect knowledge of heavenly things. In the heavenly realm, there is no, like, schools to learn. It's not that Jesus stood up with a chalkboard and taught all the angels everything. No. All of the information, the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge is all imparted directly from the Holy Spirit. And I think one of the beauties of the heavenly realm is everybody will know everybody because God knows everybody. Okay, so there's great hope for that. Caitlin says, I'm over here just hoping I make it. You know, that's a good attitude to have. It's a good attitude to have. Don't be too picky. Just be happy to be there. Happy to see Jesus. Nicholas F. Woolard says skinnier, way skinnier. 
Sylvia says, I want to look like an angel. Raquel says, I think it's the same, just perfect. No earthly ailments from the fall, like wrinkles, extra fat, diabetes, etc. That's probably true. I agree with that. Brother Alex Camp says, dude, I just want to be able to sing. <laughs> well, you probably will be able to. Ryan Yandris, what's up, cousin? He says, we won't resemble our earthly bodies. With a question mark. We will recognize those that we have met there, right? I guess so. Brandon Bolin says, I'd like to be about 75 pounds lighter. Well, there you go. Micah Ash says, I want to look like Bruce Lee. <laughs> well, the Lord will give us the desires of our heart. So maybe God will give you something similar to Bruce Lee there, Micah. That was all Facebook. On over to Instagram. D. Ray Waddle says, I want to look like a 1970s Chuck Norris. Nice. And then finally, Josh C. Dalgetty says, no more dad bod. <laughs> Again, you can follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. We uh, put out a lot of good stuff about there about Spirit Signal and other things. So thank you so much, everybody, for responding. But what I'm getting here is nobody says, I want to look exactly like I do now. Nobody says that. I have yet to meet somebody that says, oh, I love the way I am now. I want to look exactly like I do now in heaven. My earthly body is so beautiful. My earthly body is glorious. My earthly body is so hot. I want to look like this now when I'm in heaven. I have yet to meet somebody like that. Nobody wants that. You know why? Because nobody is happy with their earthly body. It's because of sin. It's because of some of the abuse that we have put ourselves through. It's because of the hardships we've had to endure. It's because of the aging it's because of the wear and tear of this world. Our bodies are corruptible. They're corruptible. But I got good news. That our DNA will be raised incorruptible with our soul and spirit. And then you and I will bear the image of our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is perfect. Who is beautiful. Who is amazing. And he lives forevermore. And I'm looking forward to living with him. I want to share a few stories with you in closing. My grandfather, Wendell Gleason, Wendell Clayton Gleason, born June 11th, 1918, passed from this life March 23rd, 1997. Great man, and I miss him so much. I had a cousin, a cousin, the night that he passed away, she was asleep in bed. And she woke up in the middle of the night hearing the sound of an audience clapping and cheering. She thought, oh my goodness, is there a party going on outside in my backyard? And my cousin got up out of bed. This is like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. It's dark out. She pulls the blinds and looks outside and she hears the sound of thousands of voices, thousands of hands clapping cheering, whistling, celebrating, and she looks and sees nobody there. And she just looks out in the neighborhood, hearing all of this but seeing no person, until the sound lifted. She thought that is so weird and interesting. And she went back to bed. 
That next morning, her father, my uncle, came down and announced in the news to the family that Grandma had pa- that Grandpa had passed away. And right then and there, my cousin realized what she had heard that night. It wasn't a dream. But she heard the sound of the cloud of witnesses that had gone on before my grandpa. It was also the sound of the angels. It was the sound of all of them up in the heavenly paradise welcoming my grandpa, his soul and spirit, into paradise. Praise God. Man, I got chill bumps. Yeah. That's what happens when the saints pass away. It's not sorrowful with God. It's not sorrowful with the angels. It's not sorrowful with the saints that have gone on before them. But like the psalmist said, precious is the death of the saints of the Lord. Death is different in the spirit world than it is for us. For us, it's sorrowful because somebody leaves. For the spirit world, it's joyous because somebody is welcomed. It's the beauty of the resurrection. Yeah. So my grandpa, he passed away uh, that, that night on June 11th, about 2 or 3 in the morning. And when that happened, my cousin heard him being welcomed into heavenly paradise. Praise God. I can't wait to see you, Grandpa Gleason, someday. Thank you, Jesus. My grandpa, Charles Dyson, born 1922, passed from this life in the year 1984. He was my first grandparent that passed away. I was only two years old when he passed away. But around the age four, five, six, and seven, I began to ask my parents questions about Grandpa Dyson. A lot of questions about them, and as best as they could to teach, you know, a child about that, you know, without, you know, causing any fear or anything. You know, that's one of the beautiful things about Christianity. Death for children is nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to be afraid of. Our message is something so special and hopeful. They taught me about, you know, he's with Jesus, things like this, as, as much as my child brain could understand. But I'll never forget, when I was about the age of seven, I'd just been baptized. I had a dream, and in this dream, I opened my eyes. That's, by the way, that's how you know a dream is from God. You will remember exactly how it began. Because most dreams, you have no idea how it began. You only remember the middle and the end. You have no idea how you got to where you got. But a dream from God, you remember the beginning, the middle, and the end very vividly. I opened my eyes in my dream, and I looked, and before me was a huge, enormous neighborhood that extended as far as the eye could see. The homes there looked like something I have never seen in this world. The best way I can describe it, they looked like like houses that I've seen uh, on on the beautiful coastlines by the ocean, like beautiful houses that are like one story, but just the way they're designed, they're so elegant and so beautiful, and there's plants, there's vegetation all around it. That's what these homes looked like, but I, but I looked at them, they were made of stones that I've never seen in this world. It wasn't like brick, it wasn't like wood stucco or any of that it was like pure beautiful stones and I looked down and I saw a street that looked like gold okay that's what I saw the sky was not blue the sky was more like an the color of it almost looked like fire 
like an amber colored, mixed in with purples and blues. It was so beautiful, so nice to look at, so peaceful. And out of nowhere, a man came walking up to me. And my father and mother were standing next to me, and my mother pointed and said, Look, Justin, it's Grandpa Dyson. And I looked up at a man who I did not quite recognize. And this man looked down at me and said, Hello, Sir Justin. I can't wait to see you here someday. This man, you know, I'd seen pictures of my grandpa, but he was older in these pictures, like in his 60s. But I was looking at a man who was like 27, 28, 29, 30 years old. He had dark black hair combed back. He had on like a, it was like a beige colored shirt that was untucked. It was almost like a, like a robe, but not as long as a robe. It was like a shirt. And then I looked and his, his pants were like, um, they were almost like a, uh, like a copper color. And his shoes kind of matched that, but almost kind of golden. And I'll just never forget looking at this, at this, this individual and speaking to me saying, hello, Sir Justin, <laughs> I can't wait to see you here someday. And all of a sudden I woke up, sat straight up in bed, seven years old, just woke up. And I remember telling my parents about the dream. And it was soon after that, that I, that my mom was showing me old family pictures. And I saw a picture of my grandpa, Charles Dyson, her dad, when he was about 30 years old. And I remember looking at that going, oh my goodness, that's the man I saw in heaven. <laughs> that's the man I saw in heaven. And later on, I would come to understand what heaven will be like that in his, in, in the Father's house, there's many mansions. There's many beautiful places for everybody to live. And the streets are made of gold. And you look at the heavenly city, all the beautiful stones that it's made out of. And I realized what I saw. Granted, I, I didn't have an out-of-body experience in that moment, but the Lord visited me in a dream to give me a glimpse of the resurrection of what eternity is going to be like. It's the most beautiful place I've ever seen. And it's there full of so many wonderful people that have gone on before us. The only thing that I wish could have happened in that dream is that I would have been taken to the throne of God to see the Lord. <laughs> but I'm not worried because I am going to see it. Amen. Guys, the resurrection is real. The Lord speaks about it through his word. He can reveal it in a dream. He can reveal it through a preacher. He can reveal it through a Sunday school teacher. He can reveal it right now through social media. But at some very special moment, in a very special place, the Lord wants to give you a glimpse of his resurrection during this time. And when you see it, never turn back. When you see it, when you get a glimpse of it, press towards that mark because it's real. Jesus is alive and he's got so many saints with him and he wants to welcome you in that paradise when he comes down and calls out to us through that mighty voice like an archangel, the voice like many waters, and he blows the trumpet to welcome us into the heavens. Jesus said the day is coming when the first shall be last and the last shall be first. You know, right now, you and I listening to this, right now, we are the last. Who's the first? Well, it's Adam. <laughs> it's Noah. 
It's Enoch, it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is a first and a last right now because of time. But when the resurrection comes, time shall be no more. There is no first and last, but rather, first shall be last, last shall be first. When you and I awaken in that resurrection, it will be the start and the beginning of something completely brand new. And all those who are ready for his appearing and his coming will all begin together as one in that resurrection. Praise God. I believe all of us are going to look like we're about 30 years old. Even the souls and spirits of, of, of aborted babies. Even the souls and spirits of elders. <laughs> like Methuselah who lived to be 969. We will all be like a 30-year-old person, just like Jesus. That is how we will be raised. We will be raised incorruptible. We will be raised immortal. We will be raised glorified. That is the resurrection. That's the hope that we have. And you know what's special there? There's no more crying. <laughs> He's going to wipe away all the tears from our eyes. That's one of the things I miss about altar calls is weeping tears on that altar and then wiping them away. It's a reminder to me that one day I will no longer weep, but it's not me wiping away my tears anymore. It's God's going to wipe away my last tear. Up there, there's no more death. There's no more sickness. There's no more plague. There's no more heartache. The death toll for this COVID-19 it's not as big, obviously, as some thought it would be, but there's there's been death. And it's sad. It's horrible. And I knew at the beginning of this that some would die, but most would live on. And I believe we're going to get through this, but this COVID-19 is horrible. I hate it. It's awful. The day is going to come where there's no more COVID-19, and it's the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's a promise. It's real. Every year I try to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord as best as I can. But for some reason this year it's taken on a whole new meaning. And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't understand it all. I just think it has a lot to do with this pandemic. But it's like this pandemic has made me appreciate the promise and the hope that we have in Jesus all the more. And I'm looking forward to that day. I'm sorry to get all emotional here on you. But you know what? If you're crying right now listening to this, that's a sign to you that what I'm talking about is real. Because nobody cries for no reason. Nobody cries for things that aren't meaningful. Nobody cries for things that are non-existent. But people cry because your heart is touched. And right now, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I got a prophetic word for somebody. The Lord is pulling on your heart right now to remind you that your life now is not the life that you're going to have in eternity. The pain, the suffering, the rejection, the atrocities, all the injustices, all of the darkness, all of the sin done against you is going to be wiped away. And the former things of your life are going to pass away. And behold, a new life is going to be given unto you. And it's going to be a happy day. 
it's going to be a glorious day. And that's why we're following the Lord Jesus Christ now, because he is the only hope that we have for the rest of this world that thinks that sin is a party now. I've got news for you. It's not going to be a party in eternity. Sin is only pleasurable for a season. And you enjoy it now because you ain't going to be enjoying it in the afterlife. Because hell is hot. And you want to know what's even hotter? The lake of fire. You can't party in a pool of lava. You can't sin in a pool of lava. For all the pleasures of sin will not be present in the lake of fire. It'll be tormentful. It will be horrible. It's a place of weeping. It's a place of gnashing of teeth. And the worst part of it all, it's forever and you can't get out. Maybe right now, you're partying on a beach somewhere, enjoying your sin on a beach. I want you right now to try to count every speck of sand that you can. You can't do it. There's too many of them. Imagine right now if you could count every speck of sand in the world. It will not even come near to the amount of time you're going to spend in eternity. The years and years and years in eternity, it is forever. Try to count the stars. You can't do it. They're innumerable. Eternity is longer than the amount of stars in the heavens. That's the reality of eternity. And if that's what you want to follow and that's where you want to go, I'm not going to try to stop you. But for anybody who will believe in this Jesus that I am preaching to you on this spirit signal, I've got news for you. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said it's so close that you can reach out and touch it. And if you feel it and you want to reach out and call out to Jesus, repent of your sins Get in contact with an apostolic church near you and ask them, will you baptize me in water? Will you put me completely under? Because I want an entire glorified body to be saved. I don't just want my forehead that's sprinkled to be saved. I want my entire body because my entire body has sin in it. And I want that baptism to break away the bondage of sin completely off of my life for all of my past and all of my present sins. I want and all of my future sins. I want the bondage of sin to be broken off of me. And the only way that can happen is through Jesus, the power of his name, being baptized in his name. And then you got to be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you got to have a sign from heaven. You got to know that God is with you. You got to know that you've been saved. And that comes through speaking in other tongues. It's alive and it's real. It's not just something there on paper in your Bible. Oh, no, it's alive and real. And God wants to be alive and he wants to be alive inside of you. You want to know how you become a true citizen of a nation? You learn to speak the language. Amen. You got to be born into it and you got to speak the language. And that's how it is in heaven. You can't get in through heaven illegally. There is no crossing the borders in heaven illegally. Oh, no. You got to be born into it. You got to become a citizen of it. And you got to speak the language of it. And I can't teach it to you. I can't educate you. Only God himself can impart it unto you. And when you experience these things, you have begun your salvation. But it doesn't just stop there. There's no eternal security. You've got to walk with God like Enoch if you want to be caught up into the heavens like him. You've got to endure like Elijah. You've got to endure Jezebel. You've got to endure the false prophets. You've got to endure the discouragement in the cave. You've got to walk with God completely until the very end, until you're caught up into the heavens with him. I'm Justin Gleason. God bless you for listening. 
COVID-19, you've come here to leave. We're going to get through this. And the day is coming when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back. Amen. During this time, don't look down. Look up for your redemption draws nigh. Woo! Podcasting is the future, and I hope I have a future in it. We're taking the genre of religion and spirituality to another level.